Hello and welcome to the London School of Theology podcast. You are listening to our weekly chapel service. In this episode, you'll be hearing from Reverend Alison Atkinson. London School of Theology. Forming disciples. Resourcing churches. Impacting society. And um, thank you to that whole team for a wonderful, wonderful reflections on waiting there, weren't they? In music and word, spoken word, and uh, and just times of being able to reflect. That was just brilliant. Thank you. Um, in the spoken word section at the beginning, you remember that voiceover when we had the the. Uh, clip of, of the promise, the Christ child coming. Uh, the question was asked, why delay? And, and both in that clip, I didn't write down much of the uh, content of it. Did you write that, by the way, Bella? Oh, sorry, to put you on the spot. But anyway, it was very good. Um, there's a whole lot about, about uh, expecting instant gratification and how that's the case in our society. And that came out in the song that they sang afterwards as well, which I happen to know that Hannah did write. She didn't tell you that, but I want to tell you that. And um, about waiting and looking back at some of the Bible characters who waited for things and how it seems to be more difficult for us in our instant society today. And you, you brought out some of those themes in your song. But I did write down some of the words of the song. And uh, you prayed in the song, teach me how to live in the waiting. Teach me to trust you when I cannot see the end of it. And then remind me of the goal that makes it all worth it. And remind me to live a life that's fit for your purpose. So... Thank you for that song, Hannah, because the song is my sermon. And we didn't really, we we didn't particular, well, we didn't consult on that. Apart from agreeing together a general theme of waiting, we didn't go more into the details. But those two things, teach me how to live in the waiting. Teach me to trust you when I can't see the end of it. Remind me of the goal that makes it all worth it and remind me to live a life that is fit for your purpose. Teach me, remind me. So I want to introduce you to a concept that I invented just the other day, which is a thing that I've called the cycle of waiting. Maybe other people have come up with this as well, but you've probably discovered in your academic studies that you think of a thing and you think it's highly original and then you go to some commentaries and this and that and you find out that people have been saying that forever. So I probably haven't invented it. I probably found it somewhere. But anyway, here we are. So here's my cycle of waiting. It's a bit cheesy, this bit, but then cheese is very often worth it, isn't it? And kind of has an element of truth. Um, That our waiting contains elements of the past, the present, and the future. Slight cheesiness about it, isn't it? But it's it's fairly obvious that waiting calls us to think about the future because we're waiting for a thing that hasn't happened yet. 
We're waiting for the future. It's pretty obvious that waiting has got something to do with the present because we have to work out, as Hannah reminded us in the song, teach us how to live in the present. We've got to work out what to do while we're waiting. And uh, <laughs> we may think of waiting as just one of these things where it's a bit where nothing really quite happens and, and then you just, and then something does suddenly. But we know it's not like that, don't we? We know that we have to get on with doing some things while the thing that we're waiting for still hasn't happened. So teach me how to live in the waiting is a really uh, excellent prayer. But you might have not thought very much about thinking back into the past when you're thinking about waiting. But I think that's what the Bible encourages us to do. And that's why I'm so glad to have heard your song, Hannah, that, where you said, remind me, remind me of the goal, remind us of the goal that makes it all worth it. Because that takes us back into the past. And when we think about waiting for the promises of God, then we're asking God to remind us Remind me of the promise. Remind me, and it's not just reminding me of that specific promise. It's God, remind me of all the things you've done in the past. And those things often sustain us in our waiting into the future. But I've called it a cycle because you think, oh, I've, we've, we've done a sort of present and future and past. I think I've got that in the wrong order. But anyway, the, the reason it's a cycle is that until the end, until Jesus comes again and we receive that which we are fundamentally waiting for, all of our little interim waitings in the meantime are just part of that cycle, aren't they? We still have to remind ourselves of the, um, uh, of the promise. We still have to work out how to live in the interim. And then we receive the promise and we live as it were in the future, but in fact, what we discover is we've come back to another cycle of waiting because there's the next thing to wait for. There's the next thing to live for. And so in our current existence, we are in, I think, a bit of a cycle. And I think that the Bible teaches us how to, or some things anyway, about how to live in this cycle of waiting. And as part of my looking back, I'm going to preach a sermon in reverse, I think. Is that all right? Can I preach a backwards sermon? I'm going to go backwards in the sermon. So I've started kind of here, and I'm going back to Luke chapter 1, and we're going back to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, I know it's Advent, and so we normally want to think about already about going forward into Mary and Joseph and angels and shepherds and this and that, and we're getting to Christmas, but hang on a minute, hang on a minute, folks. Let's just wait. We'll wait. We'll take another little bit step back, and we'll go with Zechariah and Elizabeth in uh, Luke chapter 1. Michael read to us Zechariah's song. It's not as famous as Mary's song, is it? There's value in reading that. And Zechariah looks back in his song. By the way, have you got your Bible with you on a phone or in a paper copy? Always bring your Bible to church stroke chapel. I say this to my church people as well. Bring your, people don't bring paper Bibles, but if you've got it on your phone, you can look at Zechariah's song in Luke 1 as I'm preaching, and then I'm going to take you back into somewhere else as well. Um, Zechariah's song looks back 
as we've been talking, to the ways of God in the past. He says, praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. So he's starting off kind of with the present because he's starting off with a promise that he has just now seen fulfilled in his own life or just recently. The promise to him and his wife of a child that they had been waiting for, I suspect had possibly given up hope that that would ever happen because they're probably past the age of childbearing. I don't know if she's postmenopausal or not. I'm not sure how much of a miracle that was. But they had hoped and expected for a child and it never happened and never happened and never happened. And now finally it had. So he's living in the present of a hope, um, uh, a hope gained and a promise fulfilled. So he's praising God, but he's still looking back to the past. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us to the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. He's coming back to the promises to Israel from long ago. He looks back to how God worked with his ancestors, remembering the covenant to Abraham to rescue us from our enemies. And you get the sense already that Zechariah is saying, look, I've, I've had a promise, that's great, but I'm still aware of many many more promises yet unfulfilled, not only in my personal life, but the life of my nation and the uh, promises of God in general, the purposes of God have, we, we, there's a lot that we still have yet to see fulfilled. And so he's looking back into the past and, and rehearsing the promises and reminding himself and everyone who hears this song of the promises. And then, of course, he looks forward into the future and he addresses his son who's just been born, who, contrary to the expectations of everyone around him, he has called John and, and uh, God's grace coming. And, and he looks into John's life and, and prophetically speaks of what John will be. You will be a prophet of the Most High and you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. And it's wonderful how in Luke 1 we get this sense that those two families, Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and her family, Mary goes to visit Zechariah and Elizabeth in the middle of her pregnancy. These two stories are entwined together, aren't they? We don't get to, for, to forget when we think about Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. This is part of a bigger story. The story of the coming Messiah is always there. And Zechariah is aware of this. And uh, how much they must have shared in that time that Mary came and stayed with them. How much they must have shared the revelation that they'd had and, and what the angel had said to them separately about the children that they were about to bear. Some of that comes out in Zechariah's song, doesn't it? You will be the one that goes ahead of the Lord, goes on before the Lord to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And even as he looks to the future, he still had to live in the present, didn't he? He's still got this son to bring up. He's had a fulfillment of a promise and there's a promise still to come. This is a child who's going to have a prophetic ministry who will do something significant in God's purposes. I don't know how much Zechariah really understood about that or knew how it would work out. But he 
remains a person, and along with Elizabeth, who had to faithfully bring up their son in the ways of the Lord in order to fulfill his purposes. Well, that goes with Zechariah's character, doesn't it? He knows how to faithfully wait in the present. He has waited in his priestly ministry for a long time for a thing that may never happen. Not only the conception of his son, whom, for which, for whom he had prayed, when Gabriel, the angel, finally comes to him, he says, it is an answer to a prayer. Your prayer has been answered. But also just the, the expectation of, of a particular fulfillment in his priestly ministry. Zechariah, we get introduced to in um, the beginning of Luke chapter 1. It's my first step backwards. As a priest in the priestly division of Abijah or Abijah. And he was on duty. His division was on duty. It was their turn to come up to the temple. And he was chosen by lot to go in and be the offerer of incense in the holy place. I hadn't really quite realized how important that was or how, how uh, unusual that was. But the commentators tell me that the, working out the number of priests that there were around in the time and how many there would have been in that, his particular division and then how many divisions there were and everything else, that the likelihood is that one individual priest getting the chance to do this, to go into that part of the temple and offer the incense where only he would be and nobody else would see, once in a lifetime experience and maybe never they would get the chance to do that. Two if you were particularly lucky, I suppose, but his expectation would be this would be a one-off thing. And maybe in all the priests at the time would be thinking, oh, I wonder if I will ever get the chance to do this. God, will I ever get into that part of the temple where your presence is I can almost stand before you face to face and we can offer that incense. Lord, am I ever going to see you in a, in a more intense, in a, in a more ecstatic sort of way? Am I ever going to have the experience that I've heard that others have had? I wonder, I wonder. Maybe sometimes when you come to worship, you're wondering if you're ever going to have some experiences that other people tell you that they've had. And in the meantime, Zechariah faithfully served the Lord. It tells us that when he's in the temple offering the incense, burning the incense, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. He used to be one of those assembled worshippers praying outside. Year after year after year, time after time after time of offering incense, he was out there praying outside with the assembled worshippers. And now it is his opportunity. And he comes into the temple to offer the incense. 
and sees an angel of the Lord. I don't think he was expecting that. I don't know what he was expecting. I don't think he was expecting an angel. There's an interaction. There's a conversation about his answer to his prayer. There's a little bit of judgment. There's, there's a striking of him dumb because he didn't believe the promise. And in the middle of all of that, there's an introduction of the angel. The angel tells us his name is Gabriel. And Zechariah, because he's a good priest, well-educated and well-versed in the ways of priesthood, knows that the only other time in the Hebrew scriptures that Gabriel is mentioned by name to come is to the prophet Daniel. And I suspect, well, even if Zechariah didn't do it, we're going to do it, go back to Daniel. I told you it was a sermon in reverse. We're going back into Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 9, which are the two places where Gabriel previously appears in our scriptures. To Daniel. Zechariah, in his waiting, has returned. Remember in his song, he actually mentions the holy prophets of long ago. I think that's given me enough license to take us back to Daniel, into his, to one of those prophets. In Daniel chapter 8, we find the prophet of the exile there, the one who had been taken from, as a young man, from Jerusalem or from Judea anyway, into Babylon, into the service of the king of Babylon, who's caught up in the mighty global politics of the time, the Babylon having been taken over by the Persians since then, and, and he still uh, has risen to that uh, position of influence that he has by the time we get to this stage in the middle of the book of Daniel. A faithful prophet who's remembered his roots, who retains faithfulness to the God of Israel in the service of the king of Persia. And Daniel, who in chapter 8 has a confusing dream of rams and sheep and, and, and horns getting smaller and bigger and, and, and wakes up not sure of what this is all about. And then sees Someone who looks like a man. Chapter 8, verse 15. I heard a man's voice from beyond the canal that he was standing by calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. And Gabriel it is who comes to him and explains the vision and tells him that he's had an insight into history or as it were, into the future. Sorry, it's our history. He's had an insight into what's going to happen there and, and fall and rise of other kingdoms. And, uh, and it, it all is, is hugely overwhelming, such that it, by the end of chapter 8, I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. He receives a revelation that he still doesn't understand after it's been explained. 
which gives me a little bit of hope, because when I read Daniel's visions, I don't understand them either. You might have to ask Katia about the detailed interpretation of some of Daniel's visions. But, because uh, trust me, I'm not going to do that this morning. But he is overwhelmed by the vision, and even with his angelic visitation, he still doesn't really understand it. But what does he do? He gets up, he goes back to work. He goes back into the king's service. He faithfully carries on. And then he remembers that in his past, another prophet, Jeremiah, had said that the exile would last 70 years. And he looks at his calendar and he thinks, oh, that's nearly up. I need to do something about this. Here's a promise that is, has come to my nation and it's not yet been fulfilled. But I'm getting the feeling that, because I believe the revelation, that this is about to be imminently fulfilled. And what do I need to do about it? And Daniel goes into a phase of active waiting in his presence, in his present there, he works out how to wait. And what does he do? He prays. Daniel's prayer in chapter 9, Daniel 9, is wonderful, wonderful prayer. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. And he comes to God and repents, not only on his own behalf, but on behalf of his nation. He's looking to the restoration of the kingdom. And he knows that he needs to repent. And the nation needs to repent. And they need to prepare for this coming restoration. And there are things, there is something that he can do about it. So I just want to suggest that as well as waiting for the thing in the present, as well as having the hope and the expectation and keeping our eyes on the future, very often our period of waiting involves sorting out the past. It might involve the thing that you may be waiting for, whatever it may be. Your present might involve some repentance it might involve some sorting out of relationships. It might involve just preparing in some other way. I mean, when we think about Advent and preparing for Christmas, half the time we're thinking about, um, <laughs> if you're a child, you're thinking about, oh, what am I going to get for Christmas? And oh, I can't wait. And what's it going to be like? And by the time you grow up, you're thinking, mm, okay, I've got to buy this and got to sort out this, work out menus and got presents for everyone else and travel arrangements for people and do we have, have enough have beds in our house for all the visitors and all those things. There's loads of preparation to be done in the waiting and Daniel is preparing and he starts with repentance. In fact, he carries on with repentance and he carries on with pleading with God. Now, Lord, it's the end of his prayer in 9.17, now our God Hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive 
Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel has put himself in the position to be able to receive the promise. He's repented. He's reminded God of the promise. He reminds himself that God is going to answer this, not because he, Daniel, or his compatriots are uh, righteous, but because God is righteous and God is faithful. And so often when we are waiting, and if the thing that we wait for seems to be as much in the future as it ever was when we started waiting, we start to, we, we lose our hope, don't we? And we say, God, is this worth waiting for? Or God, are you really faithful? God, did you really promise that? God, can I really believe you? Do we lose hope? Do we lose faith in God? Daniel didn't. Daniel said, God, I'm reminding myself, I'm even reminding you of your character, your promises, your faithfulness. And I'm going to stay faithful to this promise until it's received. And then, of course, Gabriel comes again. There is Gabriel. Um, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I'd seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the uh, time of the evening sacrifice. And Gabriel gives, which is what is possibly even a more confusing promise, about gives him this uh, thing about 77s. I'm going to give you a bit more revelation, Daniel, about what's going to happen to your nation in the future. Yes, you'll be going back into your land from this <coughs> exile in at the moment. And then there are going to be 70 times 7. And Gabriel thereby invents the first advent calendar, I suggest. 70 sevens, not 24 little things to open. But 70 sevens until the anointed one comes. And the anointed one will die and be taken away. And it's not a terribly encouraging promise in the end, is it? But I just started to wonder about how, I thought a little bit about Zechariah and Daniel. And I slightly wonder what Gabriel felt by the time he comes to Zechariah. Having promised Daniel there would be 70 times 7 and there would be an anointed one who would come. And to get to be the announcer to Zechariah and then, even more significantly, to Mary, that the anointed one would come. Do you think that's the pinnacle of Gabriel's career? The anointed one would come. Well... We are closing. To get back to my cycle of uh, waiting, I talked about the past, the present, and the future, and then we go back to the past, the present, and the future, because we're in a cycle here, because when we receive the thing that had been in the future, we're going back to some more waiting, some more... Um, being in the present and some more looking to a promise in the future. That's for whatever the, the smaller things that we wait for, um, applying to those kind of things. 
You might be thinking at the moment of a thing you're waiting for. What's the thing that God's promised to you? Maybe it is waiting for Christmas. You're waiting for the end of term when you can finally go home and have a break from college life. And in the meantime, you've still got some assignments to do and got to get stuff in before you get to go away there. There's some preparation to do. There's some active waiting to be done before we get to the end of term here. You might be waiting for some specific promise that God has given you regarding your family life, even as Zechariah and Elizabeth had been. Or a specific promise regarding your, God's call on your life. Or a specific promise of healing. Or a promise of provision. Whatever it may be. There are those promises that God gives us in our life. And in order to wait properly for them, I suggest that the cycle looks like this. We remember the things from the past. We remember when God gave us the promise. That might involve going back to scripture and reading those things. It might be one of those scriptural promises that God has given you. And we remember the character of God and that definitely involves going back to scripture and staying in the word. And we remember perhaps stuff from our past that needs dealing with. Remember the past. Prepare to receive the promise in the present. That might involve, as it did for Daniel, some repentance. You'll have to ask God yourself if that's the case for you. It will definitely involve continuing in faithful service to the Lord in whatever he has placed you in right now. And so for if you're a, a student here and you've got assignments to be put in before the Christmas break, I suggest that your faithful waiting and preparation involves getting on with those things and getting them in and meeting your deadlines faithfully continuing to serve God as Daniel did in service to the king, as Zechariah did in his faithful service, uh, priestly service. Prepare, repent, faithful service and live in hope and expectation, holding that vision for the future. Retain the hope. And then in future... When the time comes, receive. There will be times for receiving the promise. There will be. There will be that time when God brings you so intimately into his presence that you can't speak or utter prayers. Where you just get, maybe it'll only last a split second, where you feel it's just you and God and no one else. Maybe that experience of worship that you've been pleading to God for, I suspect, it, I want to suggest that if you are pleading for God for that, that means that God's put that desire in you and he wants to fulfill it. And there'll be a time for receiving that. Remember, prepare, receive. And then, unless it's the big promise 
when Jesus is coming again. I don't know if we still have things to look forward to in eternity. I don't know if the cycle continues then, but I'm going to uh, assume that it doesn't, that that's the end. Then the end will come, the Bible says. But until then, my cycle continues. And when I've received the thing, there's another thing. Because God is a God of continuing to promise and continuing to give. Wherever you are in that cycle at the moment, God bless you. Hang on to your hope. Stay faithful. Don't forget who God is. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the London School of Theology podcast. To find out more about LSD and our courses, please visit our website 